welcome to episode 41 of The Offline Gamer. I'm Ray. And I'm Matt. And we're going to be exploring the world of unplugged games, as usual. And some plugged in ones as well. And some plugged in ones. Not necessarily that require the internet, but you might need them to go through the wonders of uh, digital rights management. (laughs) Oh yes, that old chestnut. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute because you've just reminded me of something. But before we get on to that, how have you been, Ray? It's been a few weeks. It has. I've been quite busy, actually. Yeah, I think real life has conspired to prevent us from recording. Yes, I've started a slightly different job. Um, well, not no busier than previously in terms of um, impact on my free time, just <laughs> impact on my mental time, I suppose. Yeah, and then there's the heat. Yes. Oh, the heat. Yes, it's been a little bit oppressive at times. I mean, people listening to this in certain parts of the world are probably thinking, 29 degrees, 32 degrees, what are you talking about? It's it's when it feels like about 40 degrees inside, though, Mm. and there's no movement, and it's humid, and... This is not a normal temperature range for uh, the UK. No. Definitely not the Midlands in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Cornwall occasionally, but not uh, not Birmingham and the vicinity. Mm. And when it hasn't been sweltering, it's been uh, raining quite heavily. We did manage to record some unboxing videos, though, so... I still need to edit those and get them online, actually. So we'll we'll be talking about some stuff in this episode that I haven't uh, put videos online yet. But if you keep your eyes on our YouTube channel or our website, they'll be there over the next couple of weeks. I still need to record some fancy box shots for them. Oh, yes. The The fancy box shots, as powered by more Kickstarters. Yeah, Mui and um, Pivo. Because Pivo can, oh, can do nice rotating shots now. Mm-hmm. In fact, the people who uh, made um, Microbrew, one for Elephant, when when I tweeted at them the video, they replied saying, oh, on a rotating plinth, no less. Oh, okay? I know. Yeah. It's all, it's, all proper, it's all proper professional over here. Well. I'm not going to disagree with you. Let's just move on. Okay. Uh, well, so I'm, talk- I'm professional, at least Matthew, I don't oh, know about okay. you. Okay, fine. <coughs> uh, first bit of news to talk about this month then is The Great Indoors 2019 was announced uh, a few days ago by our good friend Peter Hazelwood. Uh, the Great Indoors is a yearly gaming event that happens here in the Midlands. Uh, this year it's on the 14th and 15th of September, that's the whole weekend. And it's at the Ladybird Inn in Bromsgrove. And here's some of the information from the press release that uh, Peter's put on the website. The format will be different to previous years and largely based on free play. They'll have lots of tables and chairs, plus their lovely flag system for finding games and gamers for all our attendees to use. You can play your own games or take advantage of the games library run by the Great Indoors team. There won't be any official exhibitors due to the lack of space, but designers are most welcome to come along and bring their games to show off to any willing participants. All they need to do is buy a ticket. And this year, unlike the uh, last couple of years where uh, our good friend Vince for Asgard has done the retail, um, 
for those who don't know, Peter's uh, moved away from the area and he's actually setting up his own company, Board Game Hub, uh, which is like an online shop for selling games from uh, independent publishers. And so he'll be selling some some games there. Uh, so a couple of things to take out of that. Obviously, if you are an independent publisher and you want to try and get your games out to a wider audience, then uh, you should uh, hit Pete up. Uh, go to boardgamehub.co.uk and uh, you can see the types of things that they sell and see if anything that you've got is uh, would be suitable for them. Yep. And just as you started that segment, it was... The time on, on my machine was 2018, yeah. so I got very confused and thought that 2019 was next year, and then I went, hang on, it's 2019 now. <laughs> well, it's 2020 now. Wait a now. second. Well, yes, but 2020 is also next year. Yeah. <laughs> Just to confuse everybody. Yeah. So for more information about the event, it's great-indoors.co.uk. Uh, the capacity of the room is just above 80 people. So Pete says now we're selling 70 tickets for each day. So it's a, it's just a small event because it's only in the uh, the inn. But um, I think uh, Lady Bird is where Bromsgrove board gamers have their, or have at one point had their thing. Is that right? Not a clue. Let's have a look. So yeah, it's um, where the Bromsgrove board gamers have their uh, regular gaming meetups as well at the Ladybird Inn. So, uh, yeah, it's a quite a nice little venue. And it says also that they've um, booked the restaurant adjoining, uh, which will give us our own space as well as a dedicated bar area. Oh, lovely. That's nice. <clears throat> and they'll be doing another raffle prize draw for the Chrysalis Youth Empowerment Network, which uh, Pete's talked about on our podcast in yep. the past. So yeah, if you're in the Midlands on the weekend of the 14th and 15th of September, then uh, yeah, strongly recommend you uh, get down to the Ladybird Inn and spend a couple of days playing some games. Next up, let's talk about uh, an event I went to a few weeks ago now. Uh, this is a bit uh, more digital gaming, but this was the Retro Revival gaming event in Warsaw, which was a big event at the uh, uh, Warsaw Football Ground, Bescott Stadium. And it was full uh, of old computers and people showing off their uh, restored, you know, Amigas and Ataris and Commodore 64s. And you could just sit there and play games and you could buy old kit and there was arcade games. And, oh, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s playing 8-bit and 16-bit machines, it was like a little treasure trove, a little little time machine back to the heyday of uh, arcade games and home computers. Lovely. Yes, and I bought myself a little handheld uh, gaming device called a BitBoy, which is like a little Game Boy but smaller. Um, but it's got emulators on, so you can just copy the games on and, and play them. So, oh, okay. So it's yes, I've got all my retro gaming collection in the palm of my hand. Lovely. I've got. I actually did take some videos at the event, but I haven't done anything with them. I might just whack them on our YouTube channel, and um, just so people can see the kind of. Uh, Stuff that was on there, but it was it was good good day out, and I went with a couple of our friends from work, and uh, yeah, I uh, spent a bit of time playing Yars Revenge on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Do you know Yars Revenge, Ray? Um, I heard of it. I can't say I'm particularly overly familiar with it, though. I don't know how to describe it because you're sort of like a, a space fly, and you have to 
destroy a shield around this thing that's attacking you. And then you have to, once you've destroyed the shield, you can fire a missile at the thing attacking you to blow it up. And then you do the same thing again and again and again and again as this type of game was where it just kept repeating itself over and over again. Yeah. But the only difference was the shield that surrounded the thing was slightly different. Uh, that's that's not a good explanation at all. But anyone who knows Yard's Revenge will probably know how difficult it is to describe. So, What else did we play? Uh, I'm just trying to think. Someone has an Atari ST there. I played Magic Pockets. Do you know Magic Pockets? Is it something to do with snooker? No, nothing to do with snooker. Okay, then no. Uh, it's a platform game that was done by the Bitmap Brothers. Do you know the Bitmap Brothers? I keep asking you if you know these things. Um, they were very big in the 90s. They made a lot of games for the uh, Amiga and ST. Yeah, but I didn't have any of those things. Oh, never mind. We've, as, we, as we've discussed before, I went we from we? Yeah. Had an Amstrad and then DOSBox and then Windows. Yeah. Now it's it's a it's a fun little sideways scroller. In fact, there was a. It was also you remember on the, like going live on a Saturday morning or live and kicking. Yeah. Where they'd have those games where someone would have phone in and then they'd play a computer game and they'd be shouting left, left, right, right, and then the character on the screen would just do whatever they shouted. Presumably because there was just someone with a joystick who was responding to whatever the kid was shouting. Yeah. Well, Magic Pockets was one of them. So it's a little platform, and what it was, you, you would what your attack was, you would throw a little tornado out of your pocket. And you could just keep throwing them to kill the enemies. But if you held the held the fire button down, you powered up the tornado or the you know the little hurricane type thing, whatever it is. And then if you threw it at an enemy, it would get encapsulated within it, and then you could climb over it and kill the enemy and collect goodies at the same time. It makes Ooh. a lot more sense when you play it than it does when I've explained it. Okay. But it's good fun. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So yeah, Retro Revival. If you're if you're into that sort of era of gaming, then uh, they've had an event there for the last couple of years. So I presume there'll be another one next year. So uh, yeah, it's well worth worth going to. You could just spend the day just sitting down in front of random old arcade games, and uh, they're all on free play as well. So no wasting lots of fifty p's to uh, play all these games like it would have been when you were younger. That's what a lot, how a lot of these games were, wasn't it? They were really difficult. You would die. And then the it just so that they would make it so you have to keep putting money in to complete the game. So yeah, that was Retro Revival. And my last piece of news that I wanted to talk about was uh, last week, or the week before as of recording. Um, well, we know Doom Eternal is, is due out soon, yeah? Yeah. So Bethesda have decided to re-release all the old Doom games on uh, Xbox One, PS4 and Switch. So that's mm-hmm. the original Doom, Doom 2, and Doom 3. Yeah. Uh, right. Doom, 1994, 5, whenever it came out. Classic game. Uh, doesn't, doesn't need you to be online to play. So you just download it and install it. But the new version, in order to play it initially, when they released it, you had to log in with a Bethesda.net account. So you'd buy the game, this 30-year-old game, mm. 25-year-old game, and then, um, in order to play, you'd need to create an account on an online service. <sighs> yeah. So there was a bit of an outcry, as as you can imagine. Yeah. So they've See. now said, it's entirely optional. You don't have to sign in with an account. The account was for the people who wanted to link it so they could get achievements and stuff like that. 
But uh, no, for anyone who doesn't want to, they now don't have to sign in. No, there have been a few criticisms of it. Um, the music runs at a funny speed. It's too slow. Some of the sound effects sound a bit weird and some of the lighting is a bit off. Because it's not just like a lot of the... Because you can get Doom for PC uh, yeah. and play it through an emulator or you can get like a source code port where people have like taken the original source code and then they've just put improvements on it and things like that. And some of them are quite good. Like um, there's Chocolate Doom, I think, for the PC, which, you know, it's got full open GL and you can even replace the enemies from the whole sprites to 3D models. So everything looks it looks nicer. But it looks like what they've done with this is they've rebuilt the engine in Unity and they haven't quite got it right. So like some of the mm-hmm. shadows, like there's levels that should be like dark and have shadows everywhere and they're bright light and stuff like that. So looks Fail. like they've done a bit of a half arse job, to be honest. So, mm. Well, because uh, Doom got re-released in the sort of early 2000s as Ultimate Doom. Ultimate Doom, yeah. Which works on... Well, it works on Steam, so I imagine it still works on... I haven't tried it on Windows 10, but... Uh, yeah, because I think it uses DOSBox. So. Yeah. But even if it wouldn't, all you'd do is download it on Steam. Because all you need to play Doom is the WAD files, because those are the files that contain all the levels and the enemies and everything. Mm. So you literally just download one of these Doom uh, source ports off the web, stick all of the registered files in the directory, and you've got Doom. Yeah. So, yeah. Why they just didn't take one of these ports and just port it to the Xbox and PS? I mean, because the Xbox One and PS4 are um, x86 machines anyway, so they can mm. just they wouldn't take that much. Switch a bit more because it's an ARM processor, but even then, there's plenty of ARM versions of Doom already available. So yeah, yeah. My only comment was uh, Nintendo announced the Switch Lite, uh, which comes out in September. What's the Switch Lite? The Switch Lite is a slightly smaller version of the handheld Switch, and it is only handheld. Oh, you can't dock it like you can with a normal one. Yeah, you can't right. dock it, and it doesn't have a tabletop mode, and like the there aren't Joy Cons. It's it's all one thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like a a larger Game Boy Advance type thing. Yeah. Um. So let's have a look. Um, I'm sure somewhere on here it tells me how big the screen is, but I'm being blind. Yeah, so the the, the Switch Lite will have a 5.5 inch LCD. Mm. It's the same res. The regular Switch has a 6.2 inch. Oh, yeah. It weighs ever so slightly less. It's got an average battery life of three to seven hours. It will last four hours with Breath of the Wild. Mm. And it comes in... Well, it comes in a variety of colours. The, the standard colours seem to be a sort of yellow colour, a greyish one, and a tealish colour. But then they've also got some Pokemon exclusives, um, one of which has a, a pink side and a very like a very baby pink and a very baby blue side. Um... But yes, for the at least for the UK, they're, they're not out until September. But also coming in September is the newest sort of update to the regular Switch, which will see improved battery life. Has battery life been an issue on Switches? I don't really know. So. I'm not sure. I mean, for example, the the 
well, the model HAC001 had between two and a half to six and a half hours battery life. Yeah. And would last three hours on Breath of the Wild. Okay. Um, whereas the new one that's coming is between four and a half hours and nine hours battery life, mm-hmm. which would last five and a half hours on Breath of the Wild. That size to me, slightly that's, bigger battery. Yeah. And probably a die shrink of the CPU. Because the smaller ones, when when you go like from like, I don't know, 14 nanometer to 10 nanometer or whatever, they use less power, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And possibly a more efficient screen. Yeah. So I think it's a average of about an extra 50% battery. That's pretty good. So it, it kind of looks like they've obviously been developing the Switch Lite and the better battery for the regular Switch alongside each other. Because the Switch Lite will have better battery than the oldest regular Switches. Mm. That makes sense. Um, but yeah... So the, the the light doesn't come with a dock. It can't output to TV. Um, it doesn't have rumble or an IR motion oh, it camera. It have rumble. That's strange. You thought it would have at least the rumble. No, it does not include HD rumble or IR motion capture. Okay. Presumably because the rumble is built inside the, the Joy-Con, whereas the light doesn't have Joy-Cons. It's just one big thing. Yeah. Um, I did. I did think about it, but then I thought, no, I like the tabletop mode of the switches. Yeah. So I'll probably still keep the switch on my my wish list, as opposed to the light. But some people don't care about tabletop mode or TVs. So yeah, they just use it, it in bed or. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be somewhere between eighty to one hundred pounds less than the switch. Okay. So it's going to, I think, retail in about £199 from uh, about mid-September. I mean, that's basically parents buying it for their kids so that they can play that while their parents are watching the TV type of money, isn't it? Yeah. If it's nearly 100 quid less than... I mean, how much is a Switch cost? About 250 quid? Or my... it, well, I think usually it's sort of 280 to 300 Okay. Um, if you get it in some sort of deal, then all bets are off. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't come into, well, if it did come into the, um, Amazon Prime days, it didn't really knock anything much off. But, uh, yeah, just, um, some of the software is restricted for the light as well. So obviously you can only have software that supports handheld mode. You can't have desktop mode software because obviously it won't work table sorry table tabletop mode that's what it's called yeah yeah but yeah there you go okay okay so that's our news and chatter let's talk about what we've been playing and buying since the last episode so i've got quite a list uh, of things so i'll start off with the uh, digital realm i've been chipping away at my pile of shame because i had a couple of weeks off work last month. So in that time, I was able to basically uh, thrash through uh, three games that had been on my to-finish list for quite a while. So first one of those was Hitman 2, uh, sequel to the 2015, I think, Hitman. 
which is like the episodic one where you have yeah. different missions that you have to like assassinate people or whatever. So that was good. It's got a good continuing storyline. Um, and I think they've set it up well for uh, another one in the future or maybe some DLC. I'm not sure what their plans are, but um, yeah, I found that really engrossing and I like the, you know, experimenting and trying to do different things to figure out the best ways to kill people. I did play the game on the easiest mode though, so it did give me lots of suggestions about what to do. Yeah. Um, But it's like, if you want to go back and do this again, you can kill this person in a slightly different way and learn more more about the story. Yeah. I didn't do that. Um, but if I do want to find out more, rather than playing, I would probably just watch some people playing it on Twitch or something. Yeah. Just to, to get the get the storyline. But um, I think I know enough to, you know, that you, you get the big story plot points. It's just there's lots of like little bits of background information you can get by mm. getting people in different ways and picking different things up from different rooms that you get to on the way and things like that. So. So that was that. Next up was Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, I did, I did enjoy it, but I found it a bit of a slog towards the end, and mm. I think I didn't enjoy it as much as the last two. Okay. There were certain, there were a lot more cutscenes in this one for a start, mm. and I didn't feel like I could skip them because I didn't want to. The problem, the problem with some cutscenes in some games is that you'll sit there and you'll say I'm getting bored with this, you'll skip it and then you'll be in a situation and you don't really understand how your character got into that situation because you've missed like five minutes worth of exposition. Yeah. So, I mean, it was. A, don't get me wrong, it was a good game and graphically it was amazing and I had the same problem with the controls as I had with the previous two and that's sometimes mm. when you're climbing up the side of a, a you know, rock face and you're trying to jump somewhere then she'll just jump backwards into oblivion when you're yeah. trying to jump side to side or whatever. So that's been a, a bugbear moment with all of the Tomb Raider games up to this point. But um, And if you liked Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider, then you will enjoy this, but I don't think you'll enjoy it as much as the other two. Okay. I've still got Rise of the Tomb Raider on my um, started. Started, played about... 10 minutes got distracted yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know which one I think is the best I may have said I'm trying to think if I when I played Rise whether I said I preferred it to the first one Um, I can't remember no I can't but I think looking back at it now uh, with the whole three because it's a trilogy and that's it you know the end of this game does say it does effectively close down the, the story I think of the three I think the middle one was the best. So I'd go middle, then first, then this one mm. in that order. But obviously, if you're going to play them, you play them in chronological order because the story won't make any sense otherwise. So. Yeah. And then uh, the last game I finished was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, it's the one set in um, ancient Greece. Were you Alexios or Cassandra? Well, I chose Alexios, but apparently that was the wrong choice. <laughs> apparently, Cassandra is the canonical uh, protagonist, and she's got better voice lines. Yeah, um, I heard that the voice acting was better for Cassandra. Yeah, I don't think Alexios's was too bad, to be honest. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I was missing out until I started reading stuff. Like literally, when I was like ninety percent of the way through the game, 
and I was looking looking at some stuff online and people going if you chose Alexios you made the wrong choice I'm like well ah. you know the game should have defaulted to Cassandra yeah never mind Never. No, it was good. I think I preferred it to um, Origins. Uh, and there was a bit more of the modern day stuff that sort of carried on the story from the previous game. You played yeah. the same person. Uh, and there was some rather interesting DLC missions as well, which will spoil things quite a bit, so I won't mention them. But uh, okay. if you do get the DLC and you have to play them, let's just say there's there's one where uh, the past and the present day link together in a very strange way. But... It mm-hmm. does make sense when you when you play the game. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, so I think it's it's still it's now Black Flag. Don't get me wrong. And I think I said this last time. It's funny how every Assassin's Creed game they always include the things from the previous one. So it's like in Black Flag, once they introduce ship combat, every Assassin's Creed game since then has had ship combat. Yeah. Which is weird, you know. Even like the Egyptian one and this the Greek one, it, they they mm. have like ship combat in them. Which, it works fine, but I preferred it in Black Flag because it made sense because it was a pirate yeah. sort of thing. But no, I, I enjoyed this uh, more than Origins. And uh, I think I said Origins was a bit of a slog towards the end. Mm. Um, this wasn't so bad. So, yeah. And finally, in the realm of digital games that I've played, uh, this is something I have been meaning to play for years. Uh, I finally dug out my old Xbox 360 and went to CEX and bought myself a copy of Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. because everyone kept telling me for years how great it was. And with Red yeah. Dead Redemption 2 out, I thought, well, if I'm going to get an Xbox One at some point and play play 2, I'd better play the first one. Yeah. So uh, I did, and so far I'm quite enjoying it. There's a few little quirks that I'm struggling with. Well, that, they not annoyances, more like. Um, For example, in most games, you can fast travel to to Mm. save you having to wander across the map. You can do this in this, but if you're in like a town or a settlement, you can't fast travel directly from there to somewhere else. You have to leave the town and then you can plant a little campfire. And once you've planted the campfire, you can fast travel from there. And that makes no sense to me at all. Why not just say you can fast travel from anywhere? It's just, I just don't see the point in it. Well, maybe it's because it would be weird if you just set a fire in the middle of a town. Yeah, but why why, why need to set a fire at all? Why not just say, oh, you just ping up the map, say you want to go to one of these settlements, as long as you're not in combat or whatever, and then you can just fast travel to where you want to go? Yeah. Just It just seems, it just seems like a, a weird design decision that they made, but hey, who am I to argue? Uh, so, yeah, I've been streaming that on, on Twitch, actually, and uh, yeah, it's been good fun. I've uh, been enjoying it. It's very similar to GTA, as you'd expect. Yeah. But obviously, with horses and wagons instead of cars and helicopters. Yeah. Um, There's the same amount of swearing. Fair enough. (laughs) And, I mean, it's the Wild West, so the same amount of hookers. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. And on my two playlist, which I think is on our two playlist is a few weeks ago, uh, Gearbox released free DLC for Borderlands 2 mm. to bridge the gap between Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3. Yeah. And uh, yes, I haven't even played that because I think we said we were going to play it together. And uh, so I'm waiting for us to uh, finally do that. Yeah, I was trying to persuade Chris to download it as well. And he's just been like, mm, no, I'm, I'm, 
I'm over Borderlands. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, he won't be when three comes out. Yeah. Well, but the he problem probably, is he will be over the price. Yeah, I'm not buying it straight away. I'm going to no. wait till it comes out on Steam. I'm not creating an Epic uh, store account just for one game. Yeah, I don't think I have an Epic store account. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to wait a few few. I've got what was it? Weeks or months or however long it takes for it to come out on Steam. I don't know how long their timed exclusive is. Yeah. But I've already got Steam and GOG and Origin. I don't want another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was... Um, I've got the account that lets you do all the shift codes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't think that counts as an... No, no, that's just their yeah. their sort of thing, isn't it? The that's gearbox just their, like, thing. Log, log into your game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm not paying extra just to get another DRM platform. No. So maybe, maybe a Christmas present instead. Maybe if it's on if it's on Steam by then. I would hope so. Uh, let me see what the Borderlands Three timed exclusive. Let's see what it says. It will come to all PC digital storefronts in April 2020. Bloody hell. So we've got to wait uh, six months. I'll have forgotten about it by six then. Six months from September the 13th. I'll have forgotten about it by then. Yeah. I just watched someone on Twitch. See, I don't... See, I sort of do and I sort of don't because I don't want to ruin the story. Yeah. But also, I really hate watching people play um, FPS games on Twitch. Does it make you... Does, do you get... Are you one of those people that if you're not playing it yourself, you can't watch other people do it because it's sort of... No, most of the time it's because people are so unobservant that it ah. really annoys me. So somebody would like walk straight past the objective that they've been looking no, for yeah, for, yeah, for, no. for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, it's there, it's there, it's there. And they'll be sitting there on the stream going, oh, oh I don't know where, what, what we're doing. Oh, this is stupid. Well, <laughs> I'm like, it's right there. Um, And stuff like... Oh, I got shot. Why did I get shot? I'm like, because there was a dude over there, but you turned around too quick because you, you moving your, like you moving your mouse around too fast yep. to like scan, scan the area, and then you're not actually scanning anything because you failed to notice some <sighs> dude with a rocket launcher who's about to kill you. Yep. Um, and that's the thing that annoys me with watching other people play FPS games because this the. I will spot the things before they spot the things. And I'm like, why can't I control it? Okay. Yeah. So what have you been up to in the realm of digital games, Ray? Um, a few different bits and pieces. Um, so I finally actually started to try and play Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh, Pro- right, yes. You've been Pro- talking about that for a while properly the proper build with the proper game um and i did a couple i did a little bit of twitch streaming with it is that the one you were going to do the voiceover stuff for is that something else no that was um that was a much smaller game was that yotan or something no okay i think don't worry about it it was a kickstarter that still hasn't okay gone anywhere um, 
but yeah, so I did a little bit of that um, and did did it on the Twitch and uh, some videos went onto our YouTube channel mm-hmm. from that. It did. Um, and I was enjoying it, but I'm, it's slightly... I found this before when I played it. It's ever so slightly too much for an RPG for me. It's mm. a bit too involved. Because right. I find myself sitting there going, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Can we just do something, please? Um, and then following that, it went into the Steam Summer Sale. Which was quite early this year, I thought. But then again, who knows? Um, and therein, I purchased Slay the Spire because I had seen um, one of my favourite streamery people playing it, and I was like, "Hmm, this looks interesting. It involves cards." Yeah, I saw you playing it, and I was quite interested to to get it actually. Yeah. Um, so then I did a couple of. Uh, I think I did my first two runs maybe over Twitch um, and then put it on the YouTube channel um, and since then I have done a bit more not not over Twitch and not recorded it um, and I have been enjoying it I do like the um, daily quests where it just gives you a random selection of conditions and you have to just get as far as you can. And it's I don't really care about the leaderboards or anything because there's people on there who obviously have been practicing this since the Kickstarter yeah. and are getting like phenomenal like twenty times more points than I'm doing. Um and I finally managed to unlock ascendancy, as it's called. Um, but since unlocking it, I haven't actually managed to get back to it. So um, I've just been pootling along, trying to do some unlocks here and there. Right. Which then was sort of, well, sort of at a similar time, I was also playing Path of Exile because a new league started um, beginning of June now. Uh, and it was quite fun, and they had some new um, ascendancies and some new skills and new bits and pieces, and the new league mechanic was quite fun, and so I was playing some of that, which then I got distracted by other things, all of which then got distracted again by Diablo 3, which ah that old uh, chestnut yep yeah, which isn't always on so i can't talk about it too much but uh a friend of mine who lives over in norfolk we were trying to find a game that we all owned to ah, play together okay um and uh, diablo 3 was the nominated uh one so it i did buy the reaper of souls expansion ages ago now in a sale and never played it um so when i went back onto 
put put it this way when I logged in it's just started season 17 the last time I played Diablo there was no such thing as seasons so it's been a very long time so as soon as I started playing with my what was my top level character because I'd bought the um, expansion the level cap had gone up 10 levels which then meant I couldn't play in adventure mode anymore although I'm not sure if adventure mode was part of the expansion as well so who knows but as soon as I started playing there were just thing there there was just items dropping just just random items just dropping on the floor that were better than the legendary sets that I had spent so much time and effort collecting mm. to wear way back when um but me and my friend and um another chap who he's friends with we've all started little baby characters who are now all level 60 right. um but we all started again and i started again as the crusader because i was like oh i don't seem to have a character of this one oh let's try this and i didn't have a character of that one because that's the extra class that came with the dlc so obviously i completely forgot what was actually involved um and that's been a little bit addicting which i found very much so originally because i think i played 80 80 plus hours on one one of my characters back then i've got a bunch of characters um and then i decided to try and do a character in a season because you get season rewards but i didn't really understand any of it so yeah I've been dipping in and out of that and playing on the evenings now and then. And then I've also been playing occasionally some Magic Arena, but I'm not very good at it because I haven't got any of the new set of cards, really. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my digital adventures. Okay. Yeah. I've played quite a few tabletop games, so I'll split them into two categories. Ones that I've already played before and I re- I'm revisiting, and ones that I've never played before. So we'll talk about the ones I've played before first. Uh-huh. First up is Gloom. Everyone likes Gloom, don't they? Yeah. It's all just good fun. Make people miserable and kill them. Mm. Uh, so I played this with uh, Karen, who is currently my girlfriend. Just so yes. I'd say that. In case people she has know. she has not been introduced on the podcast yet. She has not yet, has she? No. So, uh, yes, there you go. She has never been introduced. She has a name. Uh, so we, we, we went a couple of nights, a couple of times we've gone to the bar at work and just played a few games after work. So, yes, Gloom was the first one. And um, I should point out before we start that, every one of these games that we've played together, I have lost. Okay? Yeah. Not on purpose. I have genuinely lost. And she's not a big board gamer. She wants to get into the hobby more, so I'm trying to introduce her to a lot of things. And, uh, yeah, she seems to be picking it up very well and um, thrashing me completely. Hmm. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, winning a lot will get you uh, hooked into the hobby a lot more. Yeah, it will, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we played Gloom. And, uh, you know, I won't go into it in too much detail. People should know what Gloom is, but uh, she really enjoyed that and... uh, yeah, I really like it. Tempted to um, 
get some expansions. I know I've got Gloom of Thrones on the way, uh, which I'll talk about a bit later. So uh, yeah, we'll um, see I what have, like when I get that. I've got Fairy Tale Gloom. Oh, have you? I didn't realise you've got yeah. that. Yeah, I've got regular and Fairy Tale. Okay. Next game we played was Fugitive, the Ferris Games asymmetrical game where one of you is a fugitive and the other one is the marshal trying to catch them. Uh, again, uh, it still stands up, uh, even though it's been a while since I played it. Nice and easy to pick up again. And uh, pretty good. Um, laying the cards to try and escape the marshal um, before they can guess all the cards that you've laid down. So uh, that's good. Yeah, fun. I seem to remember the last time we played that I was still living in the flat. You were, yes. So that's well over two years ago. Yeah, that's how long it's been since I played it. Wow. Uh, Just Desserts, the uh, Looney Labs game, where you are basically fulfilling the orders of uh, uh, people visiting your dessert shop. So they might want uh, Banked Alaska or just some ice cream or something a bit more elaborate. And uh, yeah, that went down very well as well. Notice none of these games are particularly heavy. Uh, no. You know, I don't want to um, get Brass Birmingham out and say, right, we're going to play this today. I don't think that would be quite the right thing to do. Well, you never know. <laughs> Until you try. Yeah. Five, five hours later, when everybody is just sort of rubbing their rubbing their brow in frustration, yeah. then, then you might know possibly it was the wrong idea. Yeah, probably. I, do you know, I haven't even got that out of the box to play yet we need to we need to get that on the table at yeah. some point but it's going to be a full old afternoon job isn't it because we're going to have to figure yeah. out the rules and everything so yeah uh, and the last game i played that i've played before was uh last week we had a board games night at work and i took along ice cool uh the penguin flipping game flipping flicking 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 uh you know where one of you is a, a hall monitor in a, a little penguin school and the rest of you are trying to go through doors and collect your fish before the hall monitor can tag you all. Just a fun little little game. And there was no one under the age of, I'd say, 25 playing it. Because, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be a kid's game, isn't it? But let's well, be honest. Yeah. You know, if you get that out in a room full of adults, they're all going to want to play it, aren't they? Yeah. And, in fact, it was the last games night for um, our friend Claire, who's left work now. Uh, she has uh, handed in a notice and she doesn't work at the university anymore as of Tuesday. And as a going away present, someone bought her a copy of Ice Cool. Aww. I don't know who it was, but I think they re- they must have it must have been someone who was at the games night and saw her enjoying it so much. Yeah. And thought, oh, we'll get her that. And uh, so, yeah, that's what she got. So that's what I've played in the way of games I've already played before. Lovely. How about you, Ray? Well... In a similar vein, I haven't really played anything new. Um, So, on one of the days where it was lovely and toasty and warm, uh, Chris and I sat out in the garden, actually quite late. Uh, I don't think we went out there until about half eight, um, and played some Commander of the Magic, Magic, Magic the Gathering Commander. Um, and, uh, it got to about quarter past 10 and we couldn't really see anything. And Chris conceded. Um, I, I think 
well, his his he said that he thought I was in a position where I was going to win anyway. So he conceded on the basis that he didn't think he could win, and also we really should probably go indoors. Go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got to use my little LED lantern, which looks like one of those old like you know oil lamps. Oh yeah. But it's got a little LED in the bottom. Oh, cool. And it, it was very cute, but uh, didn't quite cast enough light. So it got to the point where I was having trouble reading the cards. And I had to keep leaning over and putting them next to the lamp. Um, and my eyesight isn't the best anyway. So, yeah, that was fun. And then in lieu of a D&D session... Oh, yes, because I'm now doing D&D oh, as well. You? Yeah. Mm, you copycat. Whatever. You copied me. I was the one who suggested it, like, two years ago. Okay, okay. Um, so, yes, in lieu of our third session of D&D, because um, we didn't... There were too many people who either couldn't make it or weren't very well. Um, I brought in a couple of games... We only got to play one. It took us three hours because we stopped in the middle for pizza and then ended up talking for ages. Um, but we played Exploding Kittens, the NSFW deck. Um, and everybody who played enjoyed it. And um, I, I think it's a good w- game for that win. sort of environment. Yeah. Pizza in a game and a, and a you can, friendly chinwag. Because you can put your cards down and walk off obviously, yeah. um, for a couple of hours, come back and go, oh, yeah, and keep, keep going. Yeah. Um, but I was I was last but one, so I didn't win. But I was the last one to get blown up, so... Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you were second then. You came in second place. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. So last but one to survive. Ah, I see what you're saying, yes. Yeah. So the last one standing is the winner. That's what I'm okay, okay. was yep. getting that at. Yep. Um Shall I shall I talk about D and D? Yeah, go for it. Let's let's hear what your uh, adventures have been like. Well, I am a Furbolg, Druid, Outlander, and And what's your food? what's this Furbolg Druid Outlander's name? Uh Elanan Mosswold. Ah. Um, I'm seven foot six and 236 years old, I think. Wow. And 280 pounds. So to me, 280 pounds at seven foot six is probably still not that chunky. No. But in the book, it said fur bowls are usually only up to 300 pounds. Right. And I was like, well, but they can be up to eight feet. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, so I'm massive, but not very hulky. Um, and to begin with, there was me and a tiefling ranger who was stalking me. Oh. Um, and a half-elf fighter. And we've all gone on a boat to a new continent, which has been discovered um and uh oh we also have a paladin sorry oh okay completely forgot mike um (laughs) 
we also have a, a, a human paladin. Um, and so we all showed up, got off the boat, staggered into the tavern, a bit seasick. I sort of sat down. T- Tiefling over here was sort of loitering. Um, and then the paladin and the uh, fighter came up and were like, oh, I remember you from the boat. <laughs> and we all had some, sat down and had some food and the, you know, yoldy barkeep's like, oh, uh, you seem like strong, strapping young people. Do you want to escort this caravan of settlers through the woods? Ah. Um, so we escorted some settlers in their caravans. Uh, we encountered some goblins <gasps> in, in the night. Oh, dear. Which we could have avoided had our tiefling not charged immediately <laughs> into the woods to see what was going on um, and then run immediately back. Attracting all of the goblins and then in, ensuing a fight. We could have just sat there and waited for them to leave. Um, but no, this will become a, a common theme with our darling tiefling Malachi. Is that Mark? Yes. Ah, you see, I just knew it. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean anyone to anyone who does anything to anyone who doesn't know Mark, but yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, Malachi the Tiefling carries a head in a jar with him. But uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, so we had uh, an altercation with some goblins. We sort of half buried them, shoved them under some bushes, took the people through, let them set up camp, go back to town, get some gold, go back out again, ask about goblins. And they're like, oh, we've seen some red eyes in the in the woods Ooh. so we explore explore the woods and end up in a cave um and in the entrance to the cave was a big warg and we could have snuck up to the cave quietly and stealthily but malachi charged yeah, straight of course in he did. Yeah, yeah. immediately while everybody was still out of sight so he begins combat and everybody else has no line of sight. And it's like, damn it. Um, and then we had a break for the end of the first session because we were taking too long. Uh, but after after that, we, we'd managed to kill the warg. And then because we'd had two other players decide to come and enjoy and enjoy D&D with us um, and get whatever and join in. Yeah. Um, we rescued them from some cages and then explored the rest of the cave, killed a bunch of goblins, killed a weird, not quite goblin, but slightly bigger thing that was yellowish. And sadly, it had to kill some wolves who had been corrupted. And then we rescued a wolf that was trying to be trained by some goblins, um, gave it some food, it ran away, but then uh, when we went back to town, or we went back to the settlement first, um, it became evident that the wolf was following us. Oh. Because oh. I, was, I was all like, ding, I can speak beast. I will talk to wolf. I will talk to you. I will go, hmm, have some food. We killed the yellow one. 
And then it was like, oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say Malachi jumped in and killed him. No, Malachi ran in to the middle of the deadly encounter room um, after um, the two the two extra people that we got. One was a monk, and one was a sorcerer. The monk had like snuck in quietly into the darkened corner, and then Malachi charged into the middle of the room. Um, so yes. The, at the moment we're we're doing downtime activities we've just all gone up to level two so we've got to do all the level two choices um and potentially have a wolf friend but at the same time i will also be able to wild shape into a wolf so then there will be lots of wolves but i can also be a giant spider so i can climb on walls and like shoot pit webs at people so i'm i'm enjoying it um and i really want to get a pencil a special D pencil because <laughs> i forgot to bring a pencil last time so i had to make notes in pen in my notebook and not do anything on my sheet um but i want to get a i want to get a special pencil and i went to paper chase today and it was a very small branch of Paper Chase, and as such, there were very limited pencil options, and I was very disappointed. Oh. I know. I do like Paper Chase, but they did not have any suitable pencils for uh, adventuring. Yes. I might get a mechanical pencil. Yeah, I've the, never been that keen on them. Because then it never runs out. I don't like the, like, really cheap ones that you can get and that are just plasticky. But my dad used to have, like, a proper metal one. Um, and that was quite nice. So I might get uh, might get myself a posh pencil. Okay. Yeah. But yes, um, those are all my tales. It's you've, been a few weeks had... since we've... Yeah, it's yeah. been a few weeks for us, so I can't really remember what's been going on. Uh, we've, I know we met a giant, and the giant carried us across some water. Uh, I think that's all I can remember, in all honesty. Oh, we went up a tower. There was a tower on the island that we, we went to, and uh, there's like a little island in a lake, and we found some stuff. And then the, the, the end of our last session was we got to the bottom of the tower again after killing some um, Inquisition fellow. And there was another band of adventurers at the bottom of the terror. <gasps> so we're gonna be interacting with whoever they are in the next in the next session. Dun dun dun. On that note, let's yeah. move on. So yeah. I'll talk about the games I've played that are new. Mm-hmm. Some of them I have mentioned in passing, so uh, first up, uh, again most of these no in fact all of these I've played with Karen. One of them was played with a few other people. So we'll talk about that one first. So at the games night I mentioned earlier. As yep. well as Ice Court, we played from Team Custard Kraken, Find the Pickle. Ooh. It's basically one of those games where there's a deck of cards. They all do things like swap hands with the player to your left, uh, and you may look at the other player's cards and steal one, or people have to give away one of their cards randomly to the player opposite them, things like that, you know. Mm. And there is one pickle card in there, 
and at the end of the game if you are the person with the pickle you are the winner and that's basically it it's not any deeper than that but it's it's fun it's just a bit of light random fun mm. next up was another game that we got at the expo which was top hats and treasury which yep. i think if you remember our description of it i sort of called it like reverse gloom because you are the owner of a hotel and you are trying to make your guests as as uh, happy as possible and your arrivals guests as miserable as possible and and that's basically what it is it's obviously they haven't used the um like the see-through cards like they do in gloom so the cards have got actions and you put them behind the other cards with like the tops poking out so you can see what their their scores are but other than that it's a very similar mechanic and uh, actually the whole victorian hotel theme works very well and there's some fun little interactions between the cards and the characters and uh, yeah it's a uh, it's a fun little game I, I, I re- if you like gloom i think you'll like this yeah it's sort of reverse gloom isn't it because you've yeah. got to make them happy yes i just said that yeah. sorry that's <laughs> all right i'll leave that in so everyone listening can see how you just ignore me when we recorded no, I was I was getting confused by something. There was a picture that said it was a pencil, but then it had a pen nib. Oh, okay. So, so was... instead of intently listening to me, you're busy browsing pencils, are you? We were literally just talking oh, about pencils. I don't know. See what I have to put up with listeners. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so next up are two games that I bought, I think, at the Expo two or three years ago at the Bring and Buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is The Jam. Which jam, is jam, where jam. you are making uh, pots of jam. Uh, it's a bit more complicated than it sounds, and it took us a bit of time to get to grips with it. But essentially, uh, the card—it's a—it's a deck of cards, and the cards have got some of them have got a jam and a fruit on, and some of them have got a pie and a fruit on. And basically, what you're doing is you are drafting fruit to make jam, and then you're using that jam to make pies. And at the end of the game, the person who's got the most points is the winner. But what happens is, as you use things, they go back into what's called like a pantry type thing or a basket, I think they call it in the game. So there's like a selection of cards on the table. But as the game goes on, that selection keeps growing. So eventually, most a lot of the cards in the game, apart from the ones that the players have got in their hand, are all spread out on the table. So it's really, yeah. really strange how that, that mechanic works. And when you draft a, uh, a fruit... It's worth so many points, I think. And when you convert it into a jam, it's worth a few more. And if you get into a pie, then it's worth even more. And at the end of the game, you just add up the points of everything that you've got. And then the person with the most is the winner. So it was all right. I thought it was all right. Not groundbreaking, but it's a game about food. So, you know. Yeah. And continuing the theme, the next game we played was Pie Factory which is the same sort of thing, except it's a bit more of a traditional drafting game where you have like a sort of marketplace in the middle with with three or four cards. And then at the end of every round, you refill it. And if there's any gaps, you move them down when you, you know, uh, refill. Mm. And um, the ones closest to the deck are cheaper. Uh, So they get cheaper as the game goes on. If no one's drafted a card and it moves closer to the deck, then it becomes cheaper for someone to buy the next one. And it's basically, you are drafting the cards and then you are laying them on top of each other to make pies. So there's bases, fillings and toppings and you're just drafting what you need to place them on top of each other. And then, again, 
if you've got a topping on a on a pie, it's worth more than one that doesn't have a topping. And then yeah. again, at the end of the game, you're just adding up the points that you've got. And uh, I enjoyed that more than the jam. And uh, so, yeah, uh, again, food, yay. Yum. And then a couple of days ago, we played uh, some more games, uh, both recent Kickstarters. And ones that we have recently done unboxing videos, as I mentioned earlier, but they're not online yet. First one was Warren Wars, which I picked up at the UK Games Expo. Yep. From uh, local designers, ASK Games, Kelsey and Emily, who we've interviewed. And uh, yeah, it's like a simple sort of take that sort of game where you can take things from your opponent. But you basically have a Warren, in, your Warren is in front of you. And you play carrots into your Warren. And then the aim of the game is to get, is to recruit these bunnies. And the way you recruit a bunny is that each of them has got like a carrot value on them, one, two, or three. And you need to have enough carrots in your warren that it is greater than or equal to the number of carrots on the rabbits. Does that make sense? So if you've got six carrots, you could have a rabbit that's worth one, one, and a three. Because that's five, and you've got six carrots. So you've just got to have enough carrots to feed them, basically. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of little puns on the cards and, and things like that. And the game was the game was fine. The game was great. The only thing I had a problem with it was was the cards themselves. Uh, the card stock was very thin, uh, very thick, but it was also very very um, sort of like shiny. Mm. And the cards tended to stick together. So when you have to draw one at the start of your turn, it was very difficult to just get one card off the stack. You ended up like having picking two or three up and you have to separate them. And also because of that, I found it very difficult to shuffle the deck as well. Yeah. So I thought the game itself was very well designed. I just think the card stock, maybe if it would have been like a sort of like a linen finish type thing or something like that, it would have been better. Yeah. And then the last game we played was Villagers which uh, the Kickstarter arrived a few weeks ago. Now, this was obviously very hotly anticipated by a lot of people. And after playing it, I can see why. Again, this is a card drafting game. But what you are doing is you, you have your village and you, you start off with like a founder, which is like a basic type of person. And you can draft uh, other villagers from a, like a marketplace uh, in the center of the table. And what you can do is, if you draft like a basic like person who takes hay, like a hayer, you can put that person in your village, and then you can convert them into a more valuable one. And the va- the more valuable ones allow you to either draft more cards or put more villagers down. And then what happens is there's some stacks of cards on the table, and then when one of those stacks is empty, that's classed as being halfway through the game. And some of the villagers have got gold numbers on them and some of them got silver numbers so what you do is halfway through the game you only score the gold numbers so say you've got three villagers two of them have got gold numbers one of them silver you just ignore the silver one and just count up how much points you've got and then you get that in gold and then at the end of the game when you unveil the second scoring card you count everything including the silver ones but some oh, okay. of them have got like good conditions which are like this one is worth three points for every uh, of a certain type you've got in your village yeah. and things like that. So it's really it's really good. And there's some good player interaction because sometimes in order for you to play, like you get a, a 
a blacksmith and you want to upgrade into a I can't think of what they are but whatever would be the next thing after a blacksmith but it's locked by a certain other card and you have to do one of three things depending on what's on the table so if there's a if the other player has got that card then you put two gold on that card for them and that's worth two points for them in each of the scoring rounds mm-hmm. if you've got that card then you take two gold from the bank and put it on same thing however if that card is not visible on the table then you just pay two gold to the bank so you have to look at what all the other players have got out and sometimes you've got no choice if you want to get a more powerful villager in your village you have to pay money to one of your opponents there's nothing you can do about it so it's it, there's some good player interaction there and uh, I really 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 enjoyed this game and I think you'll really enjoy it as well Super. As usual, I've probably not explained it brilliantly, but trust me, if you like sort of drafting games, then I think Villagers is is one of the best examples of of the genre I've seen. So mm. I I I can understand why so many people back the Kickstarter because it was just really good, really really good. Ten out of ten. Super. So that's what we've been playing since our last episode and buying as well. But mainly playing. But mainly playing. Um, so now let's have a wander over to Kickstarter Corner. And, oh, sadness of all sadness, there we couldn't find any political satire games this month. That's terrible. How will anybody cope? I don't know. How will they cope without their Brexit games and their draining the swamp Trump games? I'm sure it will not take long before there is a Bojo-related game. Oh, God, yeah. Um, <laughs> But the longer longer we can put that off, the better. Yeah. Um, So I haven't backed very much, and I haven't had anything arrive. Oh, okay. So uh, it's it's another... It's Matt's show today, isn't it? Mattfest. It's Mattfest. Mattfest 2019. Yeah. Okay, what have I backed then? Uh, Two games I talked about last time, so I I won't rehash them, but Gloom of Thrones... And Takenoko Giant, but I only backed the insert on Takenoko Giant, so the better way of organising Takenoko with a nice wooden uh, insert to the game box to replace the plastic one. Because the, the thing about Takenoko, I always store it on its side, but then whenever I get the game out, the bamboo pieces have all been mixed together. Oh. So hopefully, every one of these, I think they're all stored in their own little like wooden tubs, so hopefully it yeah. should, uh, should help prevent that. Another one we talked about on our UKG episode was the Story Masters Tales Weirding Woods, uh, the hybrid RPG. Uh, so if you want to hear more about that, then go and listen to our UKG episode. But yes, I backed that. And I also backed it at a level that comes with like a soundtrack for the game as well. Yeah. So it comes with a load of MP3s, like atmospheric stuff. And actually, I've figured we could use those for D&D as well. Yeah, always handy. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I talked about this last time. I don't think I did. Uh, and I, I, I might have talked about this the first time it was on Kickstarter. It was a relaunch that this time successfully funded. And that was the Tome of Delving. And it says, upgrade your D&D character sheet to a character book. And that's basically what it is. It's a book um, with pages in for... Um, Tracking your class background, your racial and class traits, uh, all your stats, uh, inventory, 
financial transactions, NPCs, notes. There's grids in there for drawing the dungeons and things like that. So it's it really is like if you are going to be playing a game of D and D, you can put everything you need to know in this book. And yeah. given how my character is literally like documenting everything he comes across, especially if it's magical, because that's his thing. He's, he's trying to write a book, and uh, he, that's his tome of uh, magical artifacts. I thought having a tome of delving would be quite appropriate. Yeah. And you can actually pre-order them. If you didn't buy them as part of the Kickstarter, you can uh, go to pre-order. But I think I, ba- I think he said that everyone is going to get a uh, double... Um, back, uh, what's the word? Rewards from pledging? Yeah. So I pledge for one book, but I think he's going to send me two. So oh, okay. uh, I'll let you have the other one, and you can use it oh. for your D&D. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Tome of Del- Tome of Delving. And in fact, he reached a stretch goal to um, make it uh, hardback as well, because it was originally only a softback. But I think yeah. uh, they're all hardbacks now. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to receiving that. What's the estimated delivery on that? September, so should be within the next couple of months, hopefully. Super duper. And then the uh, only other thing I backed that's uh, board game related is uh, a board game bag and board game calendar. However, I didn't back it for the bag. I only backed it for the calendar. So uh, this is a 53-page weekly desk calendar with creative board game photos. So that will be uh, used on my desk at work. Mm. So I'm quite looking forward to receiving that as well. An estimated delivery for that is September. I mean, that I don't mind as long as it arrives before the end of the year. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you need it for the start of the year. Yeah. But it's a nice little, one of those nice little flip over, um, you know, calendar type. Doodads. Yeah. It's also got prompts at the bottom of every week, and they've listed a few on the Kickstarter page. It was like, this week, play a game without talking. This week, play the game you have owned the longest. This week, play a game outside. This week, play a game with someone new. So, little prompts to help you, uh, like, sort of like expand your gaming horizons, if you like. Yeah. But obviously they're not mandatory. You don't have to do them. But uh, I quite like the idea of little little prompts like that. So Cool. So, yes, that's what I have that. And while we're speaking about calendars... Yes, my only backing recently has been um, Matt Dixon's calendar for 2020. Yep. Matt Dixon of Hearthstone Art fame. I think he might actually have done a couple, possibly, for Magic as well. Um, But he also does his robots series and so on. Um, So I've got the 2020 calendar coming to replace the 2019 calendar Mm -hmm. when we get there. Um, And I was I was thinking about doing the. I think there was there was a super early bird dealio where you could get. one of a couple of the pieces as prints as well, um, and one of the pieces um, that was in that super early uh, deal isn't in any of the regular tiers. Ah, right, okay. But then I completely forgot about it, oh. and went back when you know the regular forty-eight hours alert came up, mm. and I was like, oh, I probably should have read these pledges a little bit closer um, 
because the the piece of art that I thought would look really good as a print was only in the one that had then oh, by by that point gone. Um, but I think I got it with um, the five postcards. So get five postcards with little art from the calendar on, and it's all it's all his his robots and so on. Um, so yeah, that is, that is my only thing that I've backed for quite a while. Um, and you've not had any arrivals, have you? No, I've got a couple of things that are making, you know, happy noises like we're almost finished. We're we're starting shipping. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Because um, I've had I've had a couple that have they've started shipping, but they were massive campaigns and they're coming from America. So not only is it probably going to take ages, but I'm probably going to have customs charges when they get here. Plus the eight pounds the Royal Mail decides to rip you off for having customs charges. Um. Uh, so I've got ice cream dice, which you also have. Oh yes, that's uh, which is not far off being delivered. Not far off. I've got the Seb McKinnon art and playmats. Um, I just backed it for a couple of prints. Chris also backed it. His one and only Kickstarter. Mm. Um, I backed it for two art prints, thinking he'd backed it for a playmat, and he hadn't. He'd backed it for an art print. So now we're going to have three art prints to go with the Seb McKinnon art print I got him for his birthday, along with another art print that I got him for his birthday. So we're going to have a lot of magic art to go around the house, and I'm not sure if we're going to have enough wall space for it all. But anyway, um, there's Femida, which is one of these digital games that I backed. Oh, you've talked about that many times, haven't you? Years and years ago. I can't remember whether it was in my first year of backing or the second year. Did you but... back that around the same time as I backed that pedestrian puzzle solving game? I think so, yeah. Um, but they're finally releasing a beta next week. Next Friday on the 9th of August, they are releasing a beta. There, There has been an alpha, but I have avoided it because... I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, well, I think beta is usually sufficiently far enough along the development yeah. cycle that you can uh, get a good yeah. impression. So that is somewhere. I mean, it's 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 come. It's a lot further on than it was when I talked about it at the end of the year mm. last year. Um, I've had a couple of things. I have a couple of email from people who have, I've backed stuff from them before and then um, they're launching new things, but neither of them are really gamesy stuff. Um, and then I just saw something relevant and I've forgotten it. Uh, uh, uh. Oh yes, the altar sleeves um, Kickstarter it has delivered sort of my account to their website. So I, I I just haven't logged in and claimed my one sleeve um, because I completely forgot to uh, check your email log account. In. 
No, I checked my email account and I looked at it and I thought, oh, I'll do that later. And I clicked the link and it said set a password. And then I've clearly set a password and now I can't remember what the password is. So now when I try to log back into it, it won't let me, but it also won't let me go back to the email inviting me to set a password to start with to activate the account because I've already activated the account. So that's just knocking me off. But considering it's coming from America and I probably have to pay about £15 customs charges for something that is really only about, what, five quids worth yeah. of content, I'm not, um, I don't even know whether I will bother. Because as anybody in the UK, or I suppose anyone anywhere outside the US will know, certain administrati- administration uh-huh. choices in America, have uh, made their import-exports problematic. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. I'm, I'm sure you'll find out when you start getting loads of Kickstarters coming from America and you've got to pay an extra yeah, yeah. 15 quid every time. Oh, let's not even think about that yet. It's not, no. not a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Let's just live in blissful ignorance. Yeah. And let's talk about what's arrived for me. Yay. So I've had Kitty Cataclysm from Bez. Huzzah. And that is a fun little game where, uh, yes. Uh, there are cats. Yes, there are cats. Lots of nice, lovely hand-drawn cats uh, that Bez has done herself. And puns. And lots of puns. So, you know, that's why it, why it appeals to me. I'm very surprised you didn't back this, in all honesty. I think it was um, one of those situations where I forgot. Okay. <laughs> it's um, a good which- job. I've got it then. Which happens a lot of the time. I put it I put it on the 48 hours and then it pings up on my phone and I go, go away. Yeah. Because most of the time when something pings on my phone, it, it's a, a really inconvenient time and I just want it, the phone to shut up. Um, but if I didn't have that email address on my phone, I would likely never check the damn thing. Um, yeah. Because I, I started to get quite a lot of uh, weird spam which is clearly somebody who's done a Kickstarter and then gone on to do something else and taken a bunch yeah, of data with them. Because um, I'm starting to get emails like, oh, we're, we're the, I don't know, board game thermometer and we're going to tell you what's hot this month on Kickstarter. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Why have you subscribed me to your list? Yeah, I've got a lot of those. Yeah, Um which is which considering that email address is exclusively for Kickstarter, it's fairly obvious where the data leak has come from. Yep. Yes. So if you're running a Kickstarter, please don't use people's email addresses for anything but your Kickstarter. Thank you. Uh let's go back to Kitty Cataclysm then. Yep. And uh if you want to see the puns and things then uh watch the video which will be on YouTube imminently. Uh, I'll need to do some editing this weekend, so hopefully, as I say, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the next drive was Tiny Epic Mechs, and oh, I was excited when we opened this, wasn't I? Yes. Because it's not only got item meeples, where you equip things on the meeples, but it's got yep. little mechs, and you open the mechs up, and you put the meeples inside. I know, it's... it's. How awesome is that? I know, it's very exciting. It is. <coughs> Uh, we also 
We also unboxed Museum. Now, this looks gorgeous, doesn't it? It, it does. The artwork on this, on all the cards of all the various pieces of uh, art and uh, statues and things that you would find in a museum. Oh, they're all so nice. And even the player boards, which are like which are like drawn like um, sort of like blueprints on parchment. Would you say is that the best way to describe them? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, just everything about that game screams high production value. And hopefully, when we play it, the experience of playing it will live up to that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And then today, as of recording, and I haven't even you know I haven't even had a chance to look at this yet. Uh, arrived Bargain Quest, which, uh, if memory serves, is the game where you're sort of like a fantasy shopkeeper and you're trying to entice people into your shop to sell them things. But obviously, if you use something to entice them in, you then can't sell it to them. So it's a sort of um, game where you're bartering, I think, but also you've got to weigh up uh, the different types of um, adventurers that are around and what will attract them into your store. Uh, here yeah. we go. Uh, players will take the role of shopkeepers in an adventuring town plagued by monsters. Players must draft items and then secretly choose which items to place in their windows to attract wealthy heroes to their shops. Once the heroes have been equipped, they battle against monstrous threats, earning money and adding prestige to whichever item shop they most recently visited. Throughout the game, players will encounter new heroes and monsters while upgrading their shops and hiring employees. Once the third monster is defeated, the player who has earned the most gold and prestige is the winner. So I just like the theme of that. I, I like sort of games that take mundane, everyday stuff and put them into a fantasy setting. Yeah. That's why I, that's like the brigade. That's why I like that because you're basically the fire department in a town that's being set alight by the Pyromancers Guild. I just think yeah. that's that's inspired, you know, so... Yeah, I really like those sort of mashups. So, uh, yeah. So I think I've only got a couple, but if there's more of this type of game, it might become a new thing. So food games and mundane things in a fantasy world. Who knows? And um, that's it. We're not going to go into our ones to watch this month because we've been talking for way too long as it is. So uh, we will leave you with our usual... Uh, domestics so people should know where to find us on social media we're on all the things at forward slash togcast if you want to listen to us you can listen on soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer or search for us on your podcast platform of choice if you want to watch our youtube videos and find all of our content then just go to offlinegamer.co.uk and you'll find everything there if you want to get in touch, you can email us on offlinegamerpodcast at gmail.com or you can use the contact form on our website or tweet us, Facebook us, any of the above. Yes. So thanks everyone for listening and our next episode will be our fourth anniversary. Hmm. Where's the time Four. gone? Mm. I know. Yeah, so uh, we'll... We'll discuss that in our next episode and keep saying how where has the time gone, I suppose. Because it doesn't seem like four years since our first UKGE, does it? No, it does not. 2015. Oh well, we'll talk about that more next time. So uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you then. Bye. 
Bye.